Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. With me today is author David McNeff. His latest book is called The Work-Life Balance Myth, Rethinking Your Optimal Balance for Success. He's also the founder and president of Peak Consulting Group, a thought leader, executive advisor, jury trial consultant, profiling expert, worship facilitator, and keynote speaker. And I can keep going on that. Hello, Dave, and welcome to Back to Basics. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. Well, this is, I'm sure with all those titles that you have and expertise, this is going to be an entertaining episode, I can, I can bet. <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> so, Dave, I know that currently you're based in, in Boston, but, uh, you know, I always uh, enjoy listening to the origin story of all my guests, as in your childhood, where you're from, you know, if you can tell us a little bit of that background. And also, most importantly, what were you passionate about when you were a, a young child? Oh, interesting question. Probably most passionate about having fun in, in general, but... Uh, I love but, that. I love that answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so background-wise, so I, I've grown up and uh, have lived around Boston my whole life. In fact, where I live now is probably 500 yards where I lived growing up and went to high school and so forth. So, oh, that's awesome. Well, it, it's it's great. Uh, obviously, very familiar, but I've lived in Manhattan. I've lived in New Jersey, uh, but Boston is my home. Basically, as a kid, sports and, oddly enough, reading – were my two passions. And when in high school, I I'm, I'm really started writing in earnest, uh, creative writing, and I had a couple of short stories published in these unknown magazines that nobody ever read, of course. But so I got the bug, and then I always sort of wanted to write. And then in terms of my business career, you know, I it's a lot of variety. So I do a lot of executive talent development work. I do conflict resolution work. I do, as you mentioned, the jury and trial consulting work with patent litigations in the pharmaceutical sector. I do speaking. And then the book, The Work-Life Balance Myth, came out of my work because a lot of executives over the past you know, 15, 20 years have had a fair amount of stress and needed to talk with me or I guess I happened to show up at the right time. They wanted to talk about it. And I had assumed everyone knew this seven slice method. And they explained it to them and they said, what are you talking? I've never heard of it. So, yeah, well, that's a great thing. So tell us about the seven slice method. I mean, I am sure that everybody struggles with uh, work life balance is one of the things. I mean, I, I, I am in the telecommunications industry and a lot of people, when they invite me to speak, that's one of the things that especially women, they want to know about, like, how do you manage, you know, the family and, and the business and all that. So I think this is something that it's, it really touches home or is home for a lot of people, that current struggle, a constant struggle, rather. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. In, 
it was published in COVID. So it was published in February of 21 because McGraw-Hill saw the whole COVID stress thing as a, an opportunity. And so the, the method that the book illustrates it, it, it really is tied to the title, meaning myth. So the work-life balance issue is wrong, meaning, well, you, you're never going to have balance mathematically with your time between work and home. If, if you have a career <laughs> and you have a mm -hmm. family, they're never going to be equal. I mean, so this, this thing of, oh, I can achieve balance in those two areas of my life, that's a myth. That, that does not exist. But what does exist is harmony with the other five, what I call slices of your life. Meaning you have your family, which is one, you have your professional, which is two, but then you have your personal slice, your physical slice, your emotional slice, your intellectual slice, and finally your spiritual slice of your life. So you actually have seven slices of your life. So I would ask clients, this is 15 years ago, I go, well, how much time, let's take out a piece of paper, or we get up on the whiteboard, and I drew a little pie chart, seven slices of the pizza, if you will. And I said, let's just calculate, guess, how much time do you spend in these other five slices of your life? And what I found was almost everyone had two to four zero. Hmm. Oh, I, I used to be physical and exercise. I haven't done that in 10 years. Oh, I used to read books and pursue interests. I haven't done that in years. And so on and so on. I used to attend church or I used to pray or I used to meditate. And that's gone. So all of a sudden, I go, well, no wonder you're a wreck. Mm -hmm. Your mind and yourself are, are just living in two or three areas of your life. And it seems to me that the principle is these other five areas or slices of your life are there to help you manage the stress that gets produced in the two main events of your life. I mean, if you honestly took a look at your life, most of your, your stress comes out of work or family. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, some stress comes from other areas, but not that much in, in comparison. Daily, day after day after day. So what I found and what my clients found was, wow, I spend minutes per week in these other slices, not hours, not a day, minutes. And I've I, I really got a great sense of balance. And I said, no, you don't. You still don't have balance. You just have harmony. You're now relaxed. Because it seems to me, for example, if you read for five minutes at night, before you went to bed on some book or magazine or article that you're interested in, it settles you down and you sleep in and you wake up and you go, oh, I'm feeling better today. I guess I have better balance. And I would say, no, 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 it's still the same mess. You know, your life is still what it is. It's just that your thinking and feelings about your work and family are now dispersing. They're going in other areas of your life. So during COVID, people would combine the slices. 
So, for example, a lot of people when during lockdown, initially in year one, they would take a 15-minute walk with their spouse or partner. So they'd be of their physical <clears throat> and their family in one 15-minute moment, and it seemed to work. And so I write about a number of these, what I call case studies of people, okay, how did they use it? And I articulate in the book all of the stresses. And by the way, there are health stresses and family stresses and work, financial. There's all kinds of stresses, but by spending their time a little bit in the other five slices, they they got through it, in their opinion, easier. And in most, whether it's a crisis or even a tragedy, you know, all of our stress has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then an absolutely. And then another so and I make it very clear in the book, this method doesn't stop stress from coming. We're all going to be stressed every day. What the book will help you do in, in terms of a theory and a belief is, as each stressor shows up, you now have a method to manage yourself more consistently through it instead of going high and low. Because I found working with a number of clients who suffered depression, for example, stress is terrible for them because they go too low. So having access to these other five areas of their life helped them to go down less and stay in the middle more so they, quote, felt balanced. Again, mm. it's a myth. What, you know, I'm never going to be balanced. You're never going to be balanced. I, I work, you know, eight, 10 hours a day. Therefore, that's where most of my time goes. My family takes some hours per day, but not eight to 10. And I, we're sleeping anywhere from six to eight. So when you do the math, balance is not the goal. I think yeah. the goal is yeah. uh, harmony. Yeah, I love I love that concept. I really I really agree with it because it's uh yeah every time I chat about this with people, it's like yeah exactly what you're saying. It's almost impossible to think that at all times you're gonna feel balanced, and then even when you feel that you are balanced or that you're okay, I have everything under control. Like it just happened to me. My mom fell the other day at five a.m. in the morning. Then from one moment to the other, everything is good until everything is wrong, right? And then now you have to deal with a surgery, with a physical therapy. And now um, no matter how balanced I am right now, I'm in a chaotic state. But thank God, because, you know, I, I do pray. I do. And I feel that's what I did in those moments to try to calm me down. Yes. And uh, so I, I totally um, relate to what you're saying. But I'm curious because you see people that, you know, we go to a retreat. And, you know, these the general concepts are the same, right? They say, okay, you need to pay attention to these pockets of, of uh, or slices, as you call it. And people say, yes, I got it. But then, like the New Year's resolutions, it's like they go back to their normal. Why do you think that we, or that we give so much importance? Family is obvious to me, but work. I think that's where the major problem lies is that people either they feel that they are afraid of losing their job, they're not sure enough that they would not be, you know, laid off or fire. Or I, I think it comes from some sort of insecurity and fear that we put in so much importance to some of those slices. Would you, what's your thought on that? 
It's a great, it's a great observation. Here's my two things. I noticed, in fact, some of my clients, when they used this method and it worked, many of them dropped it. Mm-hmm. And then at some period of time, even a year, two year, years later, it's like another crisis moment comes up and, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm a wreck. And I, I remember one woman, a, a client of mine, I said, well, aren't you using this? The method you, you you know how to use it oh right yeah no i haven't done that in two years and i go well why did you stop and she goes i don't know and and so that's one observation often when something works and now you feel better oh i don't need it mm-hmm. the moment has passed children are fine my work is fine my health is fine I'm going to go uh, have a ham sandwich and stare out the window. (laughs) Really good right now. Yeah. Versus it's a habit. In other words, anything that works that you try that's new, if it's not a habit, it seems to me our nature, our human nature, is to drop it because the problem is solved. And I, my observation with people who have children, who have family members, you know, you're one phone call away from another problem that's going to create stress. Uh, um, I hope it doesn't happen. Today is probably going to be a great day, but make no mistake about it. You've got to be prepared for problems. Absolutely. So in preparing, I, I just, you know, when I grew up with this method, I don't know. I don't even know why. It, it was just sort of there, I, it just made total sense to me. Well, I'm going to play sports and I'm going to read and I'm going to pray and I'm going to be curious and write and read. And the next thing you know, I'm in all seven slices. So that's the way I kind of live my life. And then when I started talking about it, they go, no, no, I've never, where'd you pick this up? So I have no idea exactly where I picked this up. And I, I, I did a, a book launch, Letitia, and you'll, you might get a kick out of this. So you give a little synopsis and you tell the book story. I mean, you take questions. And this one fellow on Zoom, it was a Zoom thing, he wrote, can I ask you a question? And I go, sure. How come you're the only person to have ever written a book on this? It's 2021. How is that possible? And I said, because it's hiding in plain sight. It's right mm-hmm. there every day. No one pays attention to it. And I said, the other thing, and to go back to your question about why does uh, our professional lives create so much stress, that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you were to ask most people what stresses them out, it's money in the top, certainly five, but I have found top two or three. That what do you worry about? Oh, finances. I mean, how am I going to buy a home? How am I going to put the kids through school? How am I going to do this? How am I going to retire? And all money, which comes out of the professional slice, is never far from our minds. Yes. Now, then you throw in family. Oh, my daughter needs braces, or my son is not doing well in school. Uh, will they get into college? Will they get it? I mean, it's this never-ending potential for stress. 
So the way I thought about it is, well, if you spend all of your time there, you're going to be a wreck. You're going to shorten your life. I mean, and I, hmm. I went through a lot of data in writing the book. And for example, it, in the surveys, in the, at least in the United States, people who have an active spiritual life live longer than people who don't. Mm-hmm. They get sick less often. So I've often said to my clients who you know, kind of poo-poo the spiritual slice, I go, well, before you just toss it aside, mm-hmm. you like to live longer and have better health? You might want to give it a try because the data says it works. So, I, I, and I'm not saying believe in God or a spe- specific anything. It's just you've got to have a spiritual life that's, and I describe it in the book as it's the belief in something that's bigger than you and explains why you're here. Absolutely. Yes. And and even our soul, even ourselves, we are spiritual. So anybody that says that, well, I don't have a spiritual practice, but I say, yeah, but your body is one thing, but you yourself are a spiritual being. And so that's really spending time with that spiritual being. It doesn't only mean being with God or being, it's just acknowledging that you yourself are part of spirit somehow, because that's why when we die, where we go, no one knows, but your spirit, it's, you know, a question mark. Oh, yeah. A a fun question I often ask when we get into these conversations with clients, I'll, I'll say, all right, let me ask you this. What's the difference between your mind and your brain? Mm-hmm. I go, what do you mean? I go, what's the difference? You tell yourself to do some things. Where's that coming from? Your brain does what you tell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's out there that's telling the brain what to, they get a little flummoxed. And then, you know, I'll ask, where do you suppose intuition comes from? You know, when you get a sense that you should stop or start something right now where's that coming from i mean we're we're connected it seems to me with energy well where's that energy what is that energy and it's that's that's all loaded into the spiritual slice those questions absolutely right yeah 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 and in fact yes no last week i said to a client who was very upset And I go, you know what you need? You need to get focused on your purpose rather than your job. You're all shook up about your job, but why are you here? Where, where, what are you supposed to do? And he goes, I, I don't even, I don't even think about that. I go, that's the problem. You got to think about that. But that thinking is a decision. You've got to take some time to think about your purpose. No, it could be in the car, could be driving to the grocery, I don't know, but you can't spend zero time on your purpose and have a purpose, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I really believe that's where most people, including me, I mean, I took that, I made that exercise three years ago. I was going through several iterations through my life, but three years ago, I really took some time to say, okay, why am I here? Why, what am I good at? Why, you know, and, and that's part how the podcast came about. I didn't quit my job. I just incorporated an aspect of, do you know, to, to what I enjoy doing, what I think, you know, because people, 
you know, my friends usually say, well, after I spoke with you, I did what that thing that I didn't, you know, like I give them the extra push to, you know, that positive outlook. And so I say, well, I might be an agent of change and help people, you know, create that change. And and that's why I created this podcast. So hopefully people that are listening to you today and they need to make a change and you have the right words that resonate with them, Mm -hmm. then that prompts action. But, you know, when I encounter others and I share that, you know, when I took a close look at why am I here? And well, but I don't have time for that. I don't have it's almost like you have time for that because, you know, your job may be easier or this. It's always an excuse why um, they don't have time to look at the purpose. But I think that, you know, you're really missing one of the most important tasks that we have, I think, in life is to find that purpose. Yeah, and I, I, I agree completely. And in, in the book, I talk about it, you know, time is the culprit. You know, time is the reason why you won't spend any time in the other five slices because I can't. My family and professional lives take up all of my time. I'm under so much pressure to perform in both. And so what I offer in the book as a suggestion is to solve the time problem all all you have to do is make a decision mm-hmm. when you don't make the decision to manage your time differently yes you will have no time and i believe in that old you know quote discipline breeds freedom so the more you have a schedule the more free time you will have because you build it in to your schedule. Versus Mm -hmm. get up every day and wing it. (laughs) Yes. I've got to run here and I've got to run there. Well, you could say, I'm not going to run there and I'm going to do something else for 30 minutes. Yeah. What awful thing could possibly happen 30 minutes? How about 10 minutes, right? So like one of the, One of the things I did, because a person was very confused, one client I was working with, very confused on what a personal life or slice was. Well, Dave, you know, I I don't understand it because I do this, I do that. I I go, it's something you do just for yourself. It has nothing to do with anyone or anything else. What do you want to do just for you? I had no clue what I was talking about. So I said, "Here's, here's an idea. Every day, I'd like you to schedule a 10-minute vacation. Mm-hmm. Put it in your outlook, and I don't care what you do. You For 10 minutes, you can sit at your desk, stare out the window. You can read a newspaper online. You can order something from Amazon. You can take a walk around the building. I don't care what you do, but you're going to take 10 minutes just for you. And what I want you to do is do it every day for five days in a row. And then I want you to call me. So five days go by and he goes, hey, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I look forward to that 10 minutes. And I go, hmm. yeah, isn't that the funniest thing? How do you feel when you go back to the stress after that 10 minutes? He goes, I feel better. I go, hmm. how about that personal slice when you pay attention to you, not anyone else? anything else just you don't you feel better about everything that you're dealing you just you're more at ease so this whole you know dis-ease 
culture that we're in, you know, and I could go on and on about the burnout factor with COVID and work and mm-hmm. family and the hybrid, being work, at home, whatever. It's creating such dis-ease. People are forgetting how to self-manage. They're just mm-hmm. trying to get through it. And then the other half of the world, by the way, is that's flourishing in COVID. Like there are a lot of businesses that have just benefited mightily. Well, they're chasing so much success. They're now calling that stress and are burning out. <laughs> I can't keep up with all of this successful work. I'm a, I'm a wreck. And I go, so let me get it straight. You lose either way. Bad, you're down. And if you're up, you're down. Is that right? Is that how we're doing this? And so it's a very, um, it seems complicated, but I really think it's not. It's paying more attention to these seven areas of your life and having them be active. I think it just seems to me the five other slices are designed to help everyone manage their stress in the two main events in their professional and family lives. I really, there's no money in them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it, uh, I think, yeah, I love the concept and everything you're saying. And I definitely, I think you're, you're onto something with that, with your book and, and how you're approaching it, because in what you just said, and it makes sense that the money, you know, it's in the professional and then you need to pay the bills and the personal, you know, it's almost like it requires you to produce that money. But then you see very successful people where money is not an issue and they are as burned out, exactly what you said. It's like, no matter what, you lose. Because if you are only focusing on those two, yes. and the money is a driver, and then you, you go and face greed, and how much is enough, and how much do you need? And I think then it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy of misery and suffering, because then you are forgetting what's important. And then something major happens, seems to be, either illness, loss, suffering and then it's almost like you are forced to look into the other slices because true fulfillment and happiness i think resides in in that mix in yeah. that in the proper mix of of all the slices well it's a question i often ask teams executive teams of this question would you rather be one question you can only pick one of the, there's two options you can only pick one would you rather be right or happy? Is this to me or if to your question? Well, if it's to me, I'd rather be happy. <laughs> right. So that's the right answer because what we have found is people who choose happy have a far higher percentage chance of getting to right mm-hmm. than people have, oh, I've got to be right. Their chances of getting to happy are very low. So, for example, lawyers, all, their answer is always the same. In order for me to be happy, I have to be right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Go, well, then you lose. <laughs> mm-hmm. you're, cho- you're choosing right, and that's not a ticket to happy. So learning how to accept that which you disagree with is a key element in finding happiness. And I think finding acceptance lies in these other five slices of our lives because you think about things differently in all five of those slices. Mm, Interesting. It just changes your perspective 
like I was talking with someone last week. Bonus, this is bonus season, getting their bonus check. It was lower than what they expected. They were very upset. And I said, well, percentage-wise, was it higher than last year's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I had the best year ever, and it should have been 30% higher. I go, okay. You're not going to get that 30%, right? No. And I'm furious about it. I go, okay. So if you just accept that you got 70% of what you were looking for, is that okay? Dave, that's wrong. I should be 100. And so that's a slippery slope that can only take you down versus, well, you know, if you thought about it from an emotional standpoint, I mean, do you really want to be resentful and angry every day? Or would you rather be a little more relaxed? Because if you want to be relaxed, you're going to have to accept that number. Absolutely. And it's still more than last year. So you're still doing better. And so. Right. But I'm, you know, I'm competing in my professional slice without the perspective of the other slices giving a different view of that competing. Yeah, yeah. I think, unfortunately, when you said that money lies on the professional, it was a little aha for me because, yeah, in the people, many people focus on money as a measure of success. And so because you want to get more, you spend more time there and less time in the other categories. And that's why sometimes you end up with some very wealthy people, but that don't have, you know, they have a broken family, the kids don't talk to them, they're, you know, they don't have friends, and then they feel empty, even if the bank account is full. Cool. Yeah, no, it, it's, um, one of the questions in the professional slice in the book is about how do you think about work? It's a, it's a fascinating question because what I found, and I write about it in the book, is some people look at work as their mission. Mm-hmm. This is my uh, surgeons, you know, brain surgeons, oncologists. You know, I'm working to save lives. Okay, that's at one side of the spectrum. The other side, there are people who work simply as a means to an end. I work because what I really want to do is kayak and travel. So I work in order to do that. So that's what I think about. And then other people think about it as a death march. Oh, I hate this. I've got kids. I've got financial risk. I'm trapped. I'm trapped in work. So when you look at this wide perspective, this wide range of attitudes towards work, you can see where the stress would get manufactured every day, every day. Yeah. And yeah. in understanding your own life and you know your own purpose again is, well, where does work fit in hmm. for you, for, for any individual? Well, how does work make sense for you? And are you happy with it? And I think that goes, I've been asked to write part of an article on the, what quote the great resignation mm -hmm. uh, during COVID, which I'm called, by the way, it's, it's not resignation. It's the great job change. People didn't mm -hmm. go home and resign. They changed jobs because I think, and I'd love to get your perspective in COVID myself included. I think everyone has done a lot of self-reflection absolutely, because they had the opportunity to like, do I really want to, what I'm doing? Do I want to do this? Because 
there's so many jobs available right now, I can switch. And that's what I think happened, which is like in the hospitality world, it, it's typically a pretty tough job serving people food and drink, you know, at night and all this stuff. This no, to me, this no wonder they didn't want to go back. They could go make more money working at home doing almost anything else. So their restaurants are well. We don't we're, we don't have staff. They go yeah because the job isn't fun, and that you don't pay enough money. Yeah, yeah. I think that is definitely resetting the the balance because I think also corporate and businesses maybe have taken advantage a bit of the workers and and how you treat workers and all that and and now that you've been home and you really realize how much you need to, how much do I need to leave? I mean, I'm not working, I'm home, I'm doing other stuff, and yet I am still getting by. And so do I need to take so much, you know what, from people in that job? And so a past guest actually called it, uh, he didn't like neither the great resignation name, he said it's the great opportunity, because people saw opportunity in, a, you know, open for the first time. And then if you wanted to quit something, this gives you a perfect, perfect reason why or, or change something. COVID really, you know, I have business owners, friends of mine with small offices who say, I don't need to re rent, rent an office anymore. Like they've always saw it like, oh, they would look bad on you if you don't have an office. But now because of COVID, it's almost they've been given a, a free pass and say, I don't need an office. No one is going to second guess why you don't have an office. It's not going to look like business is bad. It's just right. COVID. So I think really it gave opportunity to do a lot of changes and shifts that people have been thinking for a while, but they weren't courageous enough to, to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, Something good always comes out of something bad. And I, I think that is a definite that how many small, it's a great point, I didn't think about it, how many small businesses never needed an office ever? Yep. But yep. you've got to have the sign, you've got to look, you've got to be valid. Perception, perception, it's, it's paramount in many businesses. And, and now right. it's, yeah. And now it's so. like, yeah, fine, what, what have you got? What do you do? And off we go. And you, 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 you don't even think uh, you. I've seen very high-profile meetings I've been in, and you see the little kid behind. No one blinks now, which is great. In the past, we were so afraid of that little kid working, walking by, and no, no, and that creates stress. That as for a mom or a parent seeing the yeah. kid behind you, it, but now you don't stress for that because now everybody accepts that. So I really think, in that sense, that it really lowered the standards a bit that we had self-imposed in terms of the way we work. Um, and then that we are showing that, yeah, I can work from home and I can be as efficient or more than being in the office and that we can interact with each other. I'm a big advocate of human connection and face to face. I, I don't think we can substitute that. But I think we are also realizing the amount of people we are meeting remotely, like you and I that are talking and are looking at each other, where, where before probably this would have been a conference call. We would have never seen our faces well. Right. No, it's 100% true. And I, I think we're probably going to start another transition. I would guess as soon as this Omicron becomes an endemic, an endemic meaning it's just here and we're dealing with it, I think that will have another transition in, in the workplace for, okay, so can I advance from home? 
or do I have to be in the office or what's the percentage? And it's going to be a whole nother iteration of, oh, okay. So how do we build people's career paths where some are in and some are home? Absolutely. And, th and that's why everybody out there, you need to get this book because the, the work-life harmony is always going to be an important factor and bringing all those seven slices into play is really going to put us in, in, a, in a better position to deal with whatever's coming our way. I, I will make sure to have the show notes, the name of the book and the links in the show notes. But uh, besides that, Dave, anything else you're working on that excites you, that you're passionate about, you want to share with the audience? Sure. Yeah, no, I've, I've actually, I know it's going to sound so good. I've got two more books that I'm writing right now. One is called I Can See You. Okay, <laughs> I like how that. To how to profile anyone through observation <laughs> and questions. And then piggybacking off what we were just talking about, The second one is called the Prosperity Treasure Syndrome. Mm. How to find your prosperity outside of economics. Oh, I love that. Very, yeah. yeah, it's very aligned of what we're talking. That's yeah. definitely. So I, think, I think that may have an audience as well. We'll see. We'll see. Over I really believe so. I think people are realizing the more people understand that sometimes people that don't chase the money but focus on the other slices are finding the money in a better way. It's almost like there's different routes, which one you want to take. And yeah, maybe you're going to get to the money, but you have left a trail of, of, you know, sadness, suffering, whatever. And then others may take longer, <laughs> but you get there in a much better Uh, way that, you know, I'm a firm believer. I hope that's the case because that's has been my bet. <laughs> that I'll get there at some point, but, you know, in a, at a different pace and a happier pace. That's uh, really what's important at the end yeah. of the day. I agree. I agree. Awesome. And so I always ask this, I, someone that writes a book like yours, I'm sure you spend a lot of time in, in those slices. But, you know, when times have gotten tough and when you get those moments where you're down and you you're questioning what you're doing, what's your what's your go to activity or thing? What makes you tick? What reconnects you to who you truly are? Well, in, in my particular case, I'm a I'm, I'm an athlete. I, I play a lot of racket sports so for mm -hmm. me whenever i'm like down you know discouraged i go play tennis or paddle for an hour and a half and somehow life just seems a little bit better so that mm -hmm. i i use that physical the chemistry changes you work up a sweat and it just relaxes but that's just one example but that's what i do Yeah, no, that's great. I think physical activities definitely, you know, is one of the most commonly mentioned activities in nature. I think if I had to pick two of what people say when they feel reconnected is being in nature or doing some sort of their right. preferred yeah. physical activity. Yeah. Well, that's great, Dave. I mean, this has been great, as I always tell my guests, because I find them all inspiring. But uh, as I find you inspiring, I can talk to you for hours, but it's been very Uh, enriching for me personally to to have this chat, and I hope that the audience will find it equally um, uh, intriguing and full of wisdom. I, I thank you so much for all you share and for being here. Thank you. This has been terrific, and I agree we could have chatted for another seven or eight hours, but obviously <laughs> it's time to go. So thank well, you. Well, for the next, you always have an open door in this in this podcast, and I definitely look forward to reading this book and the, and the ones that are coming up. Great. So thank, you, thank so you so much. So much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.